Well, week nine of 18 of the NFL is underway. Many games complete. A couple uh, have just started and one uh, will be on uh, later today. And as always, on a Monday, we have uh, ESPN's Laurie Horish on the line. Morning, Laurie. How are you? Doing well. Great to be joining you guys. What's taken your uh, eye so far in the games that have been completed? Well, I think early eyes certainly would have been on what was going on with the Cincinnati Bengals up against the Panthers. Look, we know the Panthers' season um, is going to be washed away. Um, there'll be rebuilding and retooling and um, there'll be new coaches in the building. But uh, Joe Mixon, who's had a slow start to the season for the Cincinnati Bengals as they look to kind of catch that same offensive lightning in a bottle of chemistry that saw them charge onto the to the Super Bowl last year. Joe Mixon going for four touchdowns on the ground. And another one through the air, five touchdowns, a five-pack of touchdowns is always going to catch your eye. And, you know, anybody that happened to go up against Joe Mixon in their fantasy football lineup this week, my sincere condolences to you and what I'm sure was a thorough shellacking. Uh, the, the Dolphins and the Bears played out an absolute thriller. Uh, the Dolphins' offense, with two are back in the lineup, um, we have got used to this kind of quick-hitting, explosive, very fast receiver-based um, offensive unit. And they continue to produce today. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, both having big days. Um, we see them involve their new running back, Jeff Wilson, that they traded for from San Francisco. But on the other side of things, it's a narrow loss, 35-32 for the Chicago Bears. But Justin Fields continues to show massive steps in the last couple of weeks. He looks like he's playing young quarterback for the Chicago Bears, incredibly talented physically, um, and a very clever kid, just held on to the ball, was a little slow, kind of making decisions in his early part of his career. Uh, but the last few weeks, he looks like he's playing free out. The game is slowing down. He's more confident putting his athletic traits to use as well as his prodigious arm. Three touchdowns for him through the air, but on the ground, almost 180 yards rushing, a 61-yard breakout touchdown, over and over again breaking the defense's back um, by just being able to turn, um, even when the defense looks like they've got a good lock on the pass play, being able to turn the Jets on. Um, he is one of the most you know, exciting and enthralling uh, prospects and players to watch the NFL this season. Laurie, uh, Green Bay Packers lost to the Detroit Lions 15-9. It means their record for the season is 3-6. and six. Are they going to be a playoff team? No, absolutely not. No, I do not think they're going to be a playoff team, and it doesn't help that the Vikings, who are now 7-1, and one, but still somehow not convincing anybody of how good they are with a narrow victory over the Washington Commanders, but they win. They go to 7-1. and one. Uh, The Packers back at 3-6. and six. That's Excuse my high-level maths here, but that is four less wins um, in the win column that the Green Bay Packers have, uh, which is not ideal. But this was just sad, to be honest. This is, that, that is that is the way, whether you're a Packers fan or not, and I'm not a Packers fan, but watching the way this offense functioned against a Detroit Lions defense that gives up over 30 points a game coming into this one is ranked 30th, 31st or 32nd in the league in all sorts of key defensive metrics that we don't need to spin our heads about today. And the fact that the, the Green Bay Packers saw this was more injury on top of insult, on top of injury, on top of insult, Big-name players leaving the game. David Bakhtiari, uh, we're seeing uh, their talented uh, defensive back, Eric Stokes, leave the game. Aaron Jones leaves the game at some point. It's just key contributors leaving. Aaron Rodgers looking frustrated. And the fact that this was some, you know, some poor decisions from Aaron Rodgers, but also obviously the talent just keeps revolving and changing that he's trying to work with in the, in the receiving game. But the last pass of this game, just a sad, empty fourth down throw to the end zone with a receiver... Um, completely on the wrong page to Aaron Rodgers really sums it up. And Detroit finally held on to a fourth quarter lead. They talk about biting kneecaps and clawing and scratching and doing whatever it takes to win. 
This one will feel very good for a team in Detroit and a, and a staff under, under Dan Campbell that has a lot of positive, had a lot of positive mojo and a positive, you know, kind of press coming into the season. They got the hard knocks bump. Um, but actually putting wins on the board matters. And this one will feel very, very good for a team franchise in the Lions that is very used to getting beat, beaten up on by big brother Green Bay. And Eagles and uh, Vikings with the best records at the moment. You mentioned the Vikings previously. Not everyone's convinced. Uh, do both or either team convince you uh, at this stage of the season? The Eagles convince me far more than the Vikings do. The roster is sensational from top down. It's been really well put together. They're able to dominate up front. The defensive backfield is playing really strong. You know, we saw them. It was far from their best showing, far from their most convincing showing on uh, on Thursday Night Football there, Friday our time, um, edging one out against uh, the Houston Texans. This was this was a narrow game, a tight game early on, and I think other NFC contenders around the league have been looking at half-time, scores about level, going, hmm, what are we seeing here? But they're so... The Eagles are such a handful because of their running quarterback, because of Jalen Hurts' ability to provide that dual threat. The Eagles, as soon as they get, you know, third down and five, third down and four... They know with their physicality up front, their ability for the quarterback to run and kind of fall forward and gain three yards on any given play, that they're, they're so hard to stop. It's not your usual team that you get to third down, you go, right, let's send some heat after them, get off the field and get our offense back out there. The defense, the, the, the Eagles present such a different problem to solve. So they're far more for real and, and credit to Jalen Hurts. There's been some really nice touch throws, some really nice pinpoint work from him in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've always, I, I'm still hesitant on how great he is as a passer from the pocket, but he's showed some really, really nice chemistry downfield, uh, particularly with A.J. Brown the last couple of weeks. Laurie, uh, Sunday night footy in the States, uh, Monday morning our time. It's the late game that gets underway in about four hours from now. Kansas City taking on Tennessee. Now, the Titans have got a number of issues injury-wise, a couple of quarterbacks out, so they are the outsiders at $6. Kansas City Chiefs, $1.13. Both teams have very similar records, so that explains the price. And the line here is pretty large for the NFL. It's a flat 13. Yeah, especially considering the record there. Look, the Titans are not a sexy, flashy team, so you know that there's not going to be a whole lot of hype around them, how that impacts you know, the money that goes in through uh, betters and Vegas when they set the odds and all that kind of stuff. But talking about the Titans, yes, you mentioned they've got quarterback issues there with Tannehill's been fighting injuries and they're working in a rookie with Malik Willis. And look, any time you've got question marks around the quarterback position, that's going to hurt your expectation. But... The thing the Titans do really well, we know about Derrick Henry and his unrelenting power running game, going over 200 yards again, the most 200-yard games uh, in a career. Um, it, it's stellar what he's been able to sustain over his career as a back that is so out of his era in terms of what we're used to in the NFL in 2022 and throughout his career. But the Titans, what they do on defense, so well coached, so situationally sound, great communication, composed defense that works well together in key points of the game. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if they can frustrate the Chiefs. To me, a lot of talk about quarterback positions. Obviously, you know, a big line there. You know, the Chiefs offense has been really interesting in this new era that we've seen. Tyreek Hill now being in Miami and, and how they've reorchestrated that offense, uh, built around the trenches there. It, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see Mahomes, who is in the MVP conversation, if they do get frustrated by a very, very well-coached Titans defense um, that do a whole, whole lot of do, 
different things really well without getting too deep in the weeds with it. What they're able to do with their safeties, the way they're able to crash on the defensive line, the way they're able to structure things. Some of the play they're getting out of their linebackers, some of the better two-way linebacker play versus the pass and the run. A clever, underrated defense, an underrated team. Just be a really interesting te- test for a Kansas City Chiefs team that comes with all the hype and the uh, and the creativity and the explosiveness we're used to from Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Pat Mahomes. So where are we going to go, selection-wise? I'm going to go... Look, I think the Chiefs win this game, but 13 points, I don't think they blow out the Titans. I, I think that's slightly disrespectful uh, to a well-coached team. If I'm talking about if it's giving the points or taking the points, I'd take the 13 with the Titans. I think I don't think they pull this one off, but I think that's just a little bit nasty to a team that um, has, has gritted their way to 5-2 and two so far. So the Titans... At the plus 13. Now, away from the, the NFL, we know college football in the States is absolutely huge. Now, at Sanford Stadium on the weekend, 93,000 fans turned up. Georgia taking on Tennessee. And the star of a show was a young punter from Melbourne, Brett Thorson, who kicked the footy. It was measured 68 metres or 75 yards. And the crowd went berserk. Look, another one of the great Pro Kick Australia products, the guys that do the work, Nathan Chapman, his team down, uh, based out in Melbourne, but it's spread out across the country and they've had so much success at the college level. And then obviously we've seen the likes of, you know, Michael Dixon and Mitch, Mitch Wisnowski at the pro level. There's so many more names that I could rattle off there. Cam Johnston, Aaron Sipos, um, uh, many, many Ray Guy award winners, um, possibly more this season. But that punt, and look, that was about as good a punt as you can pull off. Look, the bounce of the ball, we, we know that from our codes back home. Bounce of the ball can go all sorts of ways. But a big game, we're talking about highly rated, the top rated teams of the nation, a couple of top rated teams of the nation, duking it out there. And, and, and to deliver from your own 25, 75 yards into the absolute corner. You can see how the, 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 the punt chase team there, uh, the punt coverage team really, um, getting down there um, to try and um, ensure that the ball wasn't going into the, uh, into the end zone because that's a touchback that moves the ball back out past the 20-yard line. You can see how desperate they're racing after it, the, the, their player there diving over the sideline to secure it. But that's, that's how rare it is to be able to angle that punt so perfectly. And we know that for every, you know, American kids grow up there and they toss a pigskin around and they learn how to toss a spiral for Australian kids, we run around kicking the ball. We all learn how to kick, you know, whether it's whether it's torpedoes or whether it's grubber kicks or whether it's, you know, snaps around the body. We That's what we muck around doing, and, and it's so fun. It, it never ceases to excite me to see that type of natural skill combined with the coaching that goes on through pro kick deliver some of the most ridiculously accurate and clutch punting at such a high level. And as you said, setting 90-odd thousand fans off um, and uh, and setting social media ablaze. Got plenty of messages from friends I have over in the States that follow Georgia closely um, saying that they're definitely going to be sending beers down Australia's <laughs> way after that. That absolute beautiful route. <laughs> Laurie, how much does a punter get paid in the NFL? Ooh, depends how good you are. Look, the top punters are getting a few million dollars a year. Um, so you, and I should say that's American money, um, not Australian money. So that right now, anyone who's done any travel over the seas, overseas, um, to the States right now, know that's, uh, that's going pretty well if you're converting Australia, uh, American money into, um, Australian dollars. 
But the top ones, you're looking at around three to four million dollars a year um, for your for your top. Um, Jake Bailey at the Patriots on four and a half million dollars. Um, as I run through some of the numbers here, Michael Dixon into big contract. Um, he so he's up at about his average. It depends on the year. His total contract value is almost fifteen million American, um, with seven and a half million dollars guaranteed, around about three point six um, US dollars. Um, uh, yeah, US American, 3.6 million, uh, per season. So yeah, not a bad gig if you can get it. It's obviously very, very competitive. Um, but, uh, some of the, um, some of the natural talent that we've seen flowing through, I don't think there's anything that stopped. You know, we know the names from back in the day, like Darren Bennett and so, um, that broke through decades ago. Uh, but the flood of Aussies going over there, I think it's, it's, it's when you talk to the guys at Pro Kick, this is what they mentioned. They, they talk, yeah, okay, this is what you can achieve at the absolute NFL level, but the opportunities that open up, the education you get over there when you go to college, going to a four-year school and getting a fantastic degree. I know having spoken with Lou Headley, who's down at um, the University of Miami, the opportunity opened for him, going from um, working different trades and spending time in Bali and stuff to being you know, able to get your master's at a, at a big-time, highly-regarded educational program. Um, uh, it's uh, it's an incredible opportunity, and then yeah, for the absolute best, uh, you go on to the NFL, and there's a chance to make some absolute serious coin for um showing off the prodigious leg that you honed, you know, kicking around suburban footy grounds in in you know Melbourne or Sydney or Perth or Brizzy. Unbelievable! Always a pleasure, Laurie. Chat next week. Always great chatting to you guys. Thanks a lot.